Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Andy Addis, and special guest, Mark Clifton. We plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? I'm giving all I've got to give in the place where I've been sent. But will my labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes I feel so all alone. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. That church on the corner of that forgotten little town To a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make him know One willing soul. That's what this podcast is all about. You are those one willing souls. Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast. I am so thankful that uh, you are joining with us. And uh, I am joined here. My name is Andy Addis. I'm the volunteer rural strategist for the North American Mission Board Replant Team. And with us in studio today is... Hey, I'm Mark Clifton. Glad to be with you. We're both down here in Alpharetta today uh, with a bunch of other missionaries and mission strategists. And we're having a good time seeing what God's doing across North America for the glory of his name of his glory and for the gospel. It's going to be awesome. Yep, it is. uh, And today I've got an incredible opportunity to uh, present a new resource to you, thanks to Mark and his work. But before we do that, uh, we want to invite each and every one of you to be a part of something. If you love that theme song, if you love uh, the music of Chosen Road, they are going to be performing at an incredible conference called the Rural Summit at the end of March. And in our show notes, you're going to get the opportunity to, um, uh, to, to sign up. It is an incredible conference. We'll be glad to meet you, too, because Mark and I will be speaking there, as well as Kyle Beerman, right. Dr. Kyle, yep. and we're going to have a great executive director panel, all talking about it's the Rural Summit. It's all about rural ministry. It's all about being that pastor that we want to pour into, partner with, and pat on the back, because what you're doing is important, rural pastor. But there, I think probably the top bill, the selling point, is Chosen Road. Yeah, the band will be there the entire event, be singing lots of different times. And you can bring some of your lay people with you, bring some laymen with you uh, to this as well. Let them experience that. It's just a time we come together and really talk about what God's doing in rural North America and how we can join him in that work. So this is for you, and it's going to be held in rural North America. We're going to... That is right. It is in Salina, Kansas. And uh, that's right on I-70, right in the middle of the United States of America. Come on down there, man. We would love to have you with us. It's going to be good. And uh, I've talked to Kyle. He's putting together some of the uh, externals, and we're going to have a lot of fun as well as learn and grow. Anyway, uh, we're here today to talk about something very important, but I want to lead into it with a question. Uh, Besides the Bible, so we don't get to throw that out there to, to play our Jesus card, but what is your favorite book? Uh, and I don't know if, uh, or one of your favorite books, something... That, oh, you're throwing that out to me? Yeah, we're, we're both going to answer this you, one. You're throwing it out to me. Uh, Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. I, that, that, it's a very simple read, but it, it really was, in many ways, the foundation for why I wrote 
reclaiming glory. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But uh, in Piper's book, Let the Nation Be Glad, it's just a really encouraging book on missions yeah. and that, that God wins in the end, and it gives us encouragement even in difficult times. Well, I think that's a fantastic recommendation. We'll put that in the show notes as okay. well. Mine is a little bit older. I love I, it's a book I read every year. Uh, just go back to it, but it's C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I just love the imagery of that. It's sure. not great on theological specifics. It's great on heart issues, right. though. So, and the reason I asked the question, uh, "What's a favorite book?" is because today I want to talk about a book that is going to become one of so many uh, who are listening's favorites. It is called. Reclaiming Glory, and we are sitting here with Thank the you. author, author, author. And by yes. the way, if you te- if I text that, which I do a lot, Reclaiming Glory, it, it my it autocorrect always says Reclaiming Lori. So <laughs> I have no idea what that <laughs> means. Well, I guess I, Lori needs to be reclaimed. I don't know, but it's <laughs> Reclaiming Glory is the name of the book. And uh, it actually first came out about 2015, 16, 16, maybe 17, something like that. Something like that. So this is the second edition? Yeah, it's the second edition. Uh, it was published by Broadman Holman, and uh, it, much to my surprise, uh, and I think to theirs, it, 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 it did very, very well, <laughs> and has continued to do very well. It has, it's continued to have a long shelf life. So a lot of times books will, will you know, have a year or two, but this one continues. In fact, it kind of grows. And um, so they approached me, and we, we talked about a revised edition and so we can talk about what's different in this one, if you want to, than the first one. Yeah, let me ask the first question, because that's, that's going to get down the yeah. road for us. But first of all, just what this book, Reclaiming Glory, uh, we talk about rural ministry. Uh, you're a replant and revitalization specialist. What is this book all about? It's about saving dying churches, keeping them from closing their doors. Um, Reclaiming Glory is, at, at the root of it is, when a church closes its doors after it's been there for a few decades or couple of centuries in some cases. And what does that say to the community about the power of the gospel, about the glory of God? Now, look, you and I are from Kansas, right? Right. All right. There are some places in Kansas that were towns 50 years ago, 100 years ago, and those towns no longer exist. Mm. I mean, literally, they are just not there. Right. Well, you don't need a church where there's not any people. That's <laughs> that's obvious. People always say, well, you know, churches don't last forever. We're way too quick to give up on churches in North America. Yeah. Because if there's a community to be reached and lost people to be reached, you know, Henry Blackaby used to say, if that church died, do you think they followed Jesus right into the grave? Or do you think they decided to go a different direction? And so, obviously, there are times when the community's no longer there, maybe even in the metropolitan area where the neighborhood is gone. Now it's all industry, warehouses, you know, interstate highways. It's all just changed. Yeah, right. sometimes interstate yeah. highways. Okay, that's obvious. But, but Andy, that's a small percentage of the churches that right. close. The vast right. majority of Southern Baptist churches that close, close where there are people. Even in a rural area, there are still—and I realize, too, let's understand— you used to have small farms with large families. Now you have really large farms, sometimes with almost no families. <laughs> right. So I know that has lowered the population, but there's still a population to be reached. And so when that church closes its doors to the unchurched community, that just says, hey, what, what does it say about the gospel? It, it, what does it say about God and his power and his glory? We, we've said we've sat on this corner for 100 years and said, our God is great and his gospel is powerful. But he couldn't keep our church open. Mm. And I really mm. believe that a, a dying church robs God of his glory. And so the point of the book was church replanting or saving dying churches is not a 
it's not primarily a mission strategy. It's a glory of God strategy. Yeah. And that's why I talked about Piper's book. Piper says that missions is an ultimate. Worship is ultimate. He says that you know worship will go on for eternity. Missions will end. Also, we do missions in order to bring people, what? Into worship of God. And so... Now, replanting dying churches is an act of worship. So that's why the whole book reframed around that name is reclaiming God's glory. So now when we, we struggle and battle to reclaim a dying church, it's actually an act of worship. And we're going to, when we get to the end of the questions that I have for you, that I want to return to that issue of worship because I've got some pull quotes from just chapter one. I don't want to ruin this for anybody who is uh, planning on reading the book. So I promise you, I'm only quoting you from chapter one. But let me go back to this reclaiming glory here. And, and here's why I love this I don't see this as primarily just reclaiming. Uh, churches in the context of a facility and uh, and, and uh, a group of people who are meeting. I see this every step of this as you're reclaiming the glory of God in the lives of these leaders. Absolutely, it is a rekindling in them. Absolutely. So let me read you uh, read you your own words. It says this: Dying churches are more critical in the realm of eternity than an underachieving baseball team. And you'll have to read the book to know his <laughs> illustration there. And we're facing a dying church dilemma in North America every year. In my denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, 900 churches disappear from our rolls. Most of them just close their doors. But the reality is that's just the tip of the iceberg. According to LifeWay Research, about only about 15% of SBC churches are healthy, growing, and multiplying churches. The vast majority of our churches in North America are struggling. And, and the reason I wanted to pull that out is those are the stats. Those, that's the reality. But even the ones that aren't closing their doors, there's a need to reclaim the glory. Oh, absolutely. There's there's a discouragement. You know, I, I'll sit down with a pastor, and uh, and I understand. I, I want to be there for him. I want to be uh, mm-hmm. a shoulder he can lean on. Uh, I want him to be able to pour out his heart to me. But, you know, what I hear so often is, oh, man, you know, our, our older folks are dying and passing away. We can't reach the younger people. The building is in need of repair. The community is so resistant to us. What we've done before simply doesn't work. And all that's true. What I don't hear him saying is, man, I'll tell you what, even though there's only six people there last Sunday morning, the risen Christ was among us. Amen. And he's got to, they, they've lost that sense that Jesus is still present with them. And he is. It's a little bit like the disciples when they were in the in the boat in the midst of a storm, and they couldn't see Jesus. Well, he knew where they were, That's right. and he was coming That's to them. Right. And, and I, I just think that part of the reason that, that this book is needed is to remind people, no matter how desperate and dire your situation, Jesus has a church, and he loves your church, and he has a plan for your church. And if you will lean into him and listen to him and tune your heart to him, he will reveal his plan to you for his church, and that's really what the whole book's about. And I love it, and that's why we this podcast that we're recording is not the Rural Church pa- Podcast, it's the Rural Pastor Podcast. That's right, exactly. Be- because it is about about that leadership, it's about that heart, and uh, about re- re- regaining that glory for God and joy for you as yep. well. Yep. Uh, but this is a second edition, why, why, why the need for a second edition? Well, as I said, it kind of had a longer shelf life than any of us expected, and uh, it was actually picked up and used by, by some seminaries and some of their studies, and, mm. and and it's just and a lot of our state conventions and associations have used it. First of all, I don't write books. I mean, this I didn't want to write this one because, frankly, I don't think most people read the books they buy. I think they buy them, thumb through it, read a few chapters, stick it in their shelf, and go, man, that was a great book. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. 
And so I think, you know, and, and, and it was like, why do we need another book on, on uh, church growth or, or church revitalization or church planting? There's enough out there. As I said, when I began to think about it from the aspect of the glory of God, I didn't see anything out there that was really obvious that we do this for God's glory. Mm. And so that's why I thought, okay, that's a little bit different. And then, but frankly, some of the folks here where I work at the North American Mission Board said, you really need to put this stuff down in a book. And so we did. And uh, as I said, it, it, it did really well. Um, by the way, just so you'll know, uh, all the royalties from this book go directly back to replanting at the North American Mission Board. So yeah, that's buy them by the case if you want to. That's right. <laughs> if I would known then what I know now, I'm not sure I would have done that. But, I, <laughs> but anyway, we're but, glad But what you're did. saying is we're promoting this because all of the, the proceeds from this are yeah. actually going back to the cause. Yeah, I don't want people to think this is an infomercial, you know, for me and selling my book because I don't, I don't see any of that. Yeah, let me just tell you, I had to twist uh, an arm here because he, he didn't even want to promote these th- this book on on social media, no, uh, but but we do because we know the resources. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, what what is the heart behind the author? Why did you want to? Well, let's go back this? to why we re, we came to oh, the revised version. More, and more. That that's important. So um, in the, the the middle of the, the in the middle part of the book are five stories of transformation. And so in 2015, 16, when I wrote it, those stories were you know a year or two old. Fresh. So 2012, yeah. 2013. Well, that's ten years ago. Mm-hmm. God's done some amazing things in replanting in the last five or six years. And so in the middle of this book, where there were five stories of, of transformation of dying churches, we got five brand new stories, fresh mm-hmm. ones that are just a year or two old that are really far more current. Also, we updated some of the language. We updated some of the, uh, of the, of the statistics stats, that have been updated. Yeah. The stats have been updated, so it's current. And most important part, we added some study questions at the end of each chapter. So you can lead your church or your small group or yourself to sort of evaluate where you are based on that chapter. And wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. <laughs> Free videos. That's right. Uh, if you have a VHS player, we'll send you this cassette. No, not really. You can go online. If you, if you, if you There's a website you can go to if you, when you get the book, or we can maybe even link the website to our show sure. notes. Sure. Can we, we can do, do that, that without the book? Yeah, I think okay. you can do that without the book. Um, and, and so... At the end of each chapter, there's about a 10 or 15 minute video, teaching video that reinforces what the chapter just said and goes over those study questions. So the study questions, the video, the new stories, and the updated stats, really it it makes it almost a a different book. So even if you had it before, and I I can say this because I've read the first one, I've now, I'm about 75% through the second one, be done by the time the next podcast is out. I had a guy tell me, you know, I read your book on the plane. I said, dude, you read it on the tarmac. I mean... (laughs) I, I am not an academician. It's written on about a fourth grade level. No, it's so good. It's it, it's worth the it time. It has really big margins and big print, <laughs> and uh, it's easy to read. Again, I'm not an academician. He's not so being very not, accurate. It's not an academic... Uh, masterpiece but, by any means. But it is so essential for who we're talking to and, wh- and what we're talking about here. And by the way, I hate to back up your stat, yeah. back you up with a stat, but when you say most guys don't read, I, I read not too long ago, Barnes & Noble says 90% of American males don't read a book after high school. Yeah. And I would say that that 90% probably did not read a book in high school yeah. either. That's probably true. <laughs> I've, been, I've, really, I've never shared this publicly uh, on any, maybe I've shared it publicly, but never on a recorded podcast or anything. A number of years ago, uh, Ed Stetzer was and was writing a book um, 
I think it's called Breaking the Missional Code. I think that's the book, if I'm not mistaken. It was a hardback book. And he called me late one night, and he was having a hard time ending a chapter on preaching. Mm. And so he called me. Not that Ed calls me very often and asks me for help with his books, all right? But but he was just really stuck. And so he called me, and, and we talked about, you know, he read what he had. And and I, I just off the top of my head, I just sort of came up with a paragraph or two. And he said, that's perfect. Can you do, can you, you got a laptop, can you write that right now? So I said, okay. So I, we redid it and I wrote it and sent to him. He was gracious enough. He ended the chapter on preaching with those two paragraphs or so. And he quoted me. He said, my good friend Mark Clifton said, mm. you know, Mark Clifton, I've never had one person tell me I read your name in that book. Because I didn't get there. I, I don't think they got there. You, I'm thinking I would add somebody. You know how many people I talk to? How many people tell me they read books and everything? Yeah. No one to this day. Now maybe they read it and they just didn't tell me. I don't know. But that was back before. I mean, I wasn't even. I wasn't even a warrant. I don't think. I mean, I, I, nobody knew who my name at all. So I think if somebody would have read it, they would have said, "I know hey, that Mark, guy." I read that. Yeah. No one's ever said that to me. So well, Ed, you may Ed, have some anecdotal evidence I there. Anecdotal evidence. Anyway, whatever. All right, now let's move on. This incredible book targeting at reclaiming the glory, not only for the church but for the leaders in the church, uh, updated in all these ways, and now as a tool because it's got the discussion questions. Uh, why uh, specifically? Because I know why because of the culture. Well, but why because you? Yeah. Well, the the discussion questions in the video was a request of really directors of associational missions, uh, mission strategists, state convention leaders who said this is a really good tool. We'd like to use it more. And so it, that was just sort of a natural outflow of it was to take it almost as we say to the next level. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love you it. can write that down and use it. I yeah, came I will. up with that I years will. ago. Did you? People have stolen it from me. <laughs> the whole nother level it's a came whole from another level. <laughs> let, let me read you a quote. Uh, so I'm going to refresh you of your own memory here. Here's here's what you said. Maybe what bothered me the most is that it had become a new norm. Many pastors of these declining churches just assumed that growth was no longer possible in these places. Many denominations had given up on these churches and were putting their resources in places where they could expect to get higher results. But I couldn't get one particular thought out of my head. What about a dying church brings glory to God? It was a stunner for me. The question changed my life, not because of my answer to it, but because I had no answer. That's absolutely right. I so, mean, I when I, I left Canada uh, in about 2002 or three or something, came to Kansas City, Missouri uh, to be the associate director of missions there. And uh, man, I just, when I kind of grew up in that area. Mm -hmm. So when I came back like 20, 25 years later, there were some churches that were really influential in that area when I was a teenager that were gone. I mean, they weren't closed. They were just, they were literally mm. wiped off the map. I mean, the buildings were even gone. Uh, how does this happen? Time and time again, um, there were seven churches in the downtown Kansas City, Missouri area right after the Second World War. I, I, there is none now, not, wow. not one Southern Baptist church. I mean, we, they're all gone. And so I, I, as I was looking at that, I was thinking, what, what in the world does it say about the power of the gospel in a, in a city or a town or a countryside where the church doesn't remain open? It has to close its doors. And it just was a—I know people would say, well, you know, you got to put your resources where the growth is. But then I would—here's the deal. I would gather pastors in our association together. And look, we kind of have two— um, the church growth movement, I'm a child of it because I grew up in it. That's when it formated. It was a form of formative in my development. There were some things in the church growth movement that were really, really good. 
were some things that kind of became mm. carnal, not intentional. But one of the things it did, it, it created sort of a win-lose scenario. If your church was growing, you were on the winning team. If your church was declining, you right. were on the losing team. Right. And you need to get on the winning team. And that's not healthy. Because if your church is growing, you're on the winning team, that kind of leads to pride. That's not good. And if your church is declining, you're on the losing team, that leads to discouragement. And that's not good. So, and, and so I began to see that. And so what we kind of had was we had sort of a, a tier of churches that were doing really well, growing, and that's great. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We need that. And then we had like a bunch of churches that, that were that was just barely hanging on and very few in the middle. And today we even sort of have a lot of larger churches and then a lot of little micro churches. Churches used to be 300, now they're 100 or, or, or 50. And so I began, as I would gather these pastors together. Andy, this is where I'm getting to my point here. I'd gather, I write a lot better than I speak. So I gather these pastors together, and every one of them are like, well, our church is dying. Well, our church, we're, we're, we can't reach people. We, it's like they all agreed this is just the way things are. I just gave up. And I thought, man, mm. there are Christians in, in countries where you're going to be beheaded for being a believer that, that the church is growing rapidly in tremendous oppression. I mean, we, the gospel could go, it can do anything. Christ can be, he, there's nothing he can't do. We've got to change our mind, our heart. We've got to see the world the way Jesus sees it. And again, it had become normal in these pastors' mind that this is just the way it is. Mm. And many times in mission strategy, it's like, well, we don't want to touch those dying churches. Let's go over here to the ones that are growing, or let's go across the street and start something brand new. And I just felt like God has a plan for every church. And uh, if we'll listen to him, he'll tell us what it is. And that's why you had to be the one to write this book. You say there's a lot of books on the market, but your heart for that, your heart for seeing the rekindled uh, love in the heart of the leader, the rekindled passion in the in the membership, and then the glory that returns to God when that church uh, continues to thrive. And and we're going to talk about this in because we're going to take a couple podcasts to focus on this. But sometimes the path is different for a church that 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 isn't the well we're just going to turn things around and become this sometimes it means change oh it's hard it is so hard andy it is so easy look i've done both god has allowed me in my 50 i'm 63 i guess i was 18 when i started so you do the math first church i ever pastored at 18 Hmm. yeah i wouldn't want to wouldn't want to have sat under my ministry, but nonetheless, <laughs> it was a rural church. But anyhow, um, they were gracious. But in all those years, I, I've, I've been able to be part of planting about a dozen churches. So until I started replanting a few years ago, that's all I did. So I understand the struggle of church planting. It is hard. It is spiritual warfare. Um, but man, replanting a church, it is, uh, in my experience, it is immensely harder because of this in a church plant you are always looking forward Mm. i mean you may not have a building you may not have any facilities you may not have any money you may have but at least it's sort of a white blank slate right and people are more willing to get on board something if if there's a future there if you're in a church like i was at warnell that seated 600 we had 18 there the first sunday and a terrible checkered past of disruption and disfellowship and all that kind of stuff who wants to be a part of that? And so it, it it is much more difficult. Well, I don't want to get into all that, but it's it's it is hard work. We often say it's like rescuing a drowning swimmer. They'll beat you up all the way to the shore, but when you get to the shore, they'll be so grateful you rescued them. But man, you it, you're going to take a lot of blows, a lot of hits, 
a lot of scratches <laughs> before you can get them to the shore. And uh, if you can't endure that, you can't replant a dying church. The difference between planting a church and replanting a church is the difference between having a baby and raising the dead. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and yeah, yeah they're they're both miraculous. They are. Uh, but one is phenomenally yeah. <laughs> miraculous no, that I... takes God and God alone and to do it. It's it's a double win, man, because you get to see you get to see a church, a, a building that doesn't go away, a, a ministry that doesn't disappear. God's glory is reclaimed. But then you get to see these people who were discouraged and despondent and many times carnal and hard-hearted and wounded. You get to see them come back to the glory of the gospel and the joy of being a believer, maybe at the very last years of their life. That is pretty important. Oh, and it's it's heart-changing for everybody involved. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read you one more quote, and then I'm going to ask you, we've got just a moment here, to answer this question after the quote. Who needs to read this book? So here's the quote. Understanding and embracing the fact that replanting church is an act of worship changes the motivation for replanting. We are doing this so that the glory of God is made known. So those who don't yet know God through the saving power of His Son, Jesus, can know Him and glorify Him. If replanting is an act of worship, then the struggle, the hardship, the pain, and the burden that comes with it for the leader in the flock have a real and powerful purpose. The purpose of the pain and the struggle is the glory of God, and when we remain focused on truth, the pain becomes a joy. So I ask the question again. Who is it that needs to read this book? Every pastor. I don't mean that like, hey, every pastor needs to read my book. <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, every pastor goes through pain, suffering, and, and hurt right. because you're a target of the adversary. You are in a spiritual warfare. That's why you have to armor up, right? It is a battle. And you just need to be reminded of that, that there's a purpose in this pain. Look, I've got two sons, and when the, they were in college, uh, back in those days, you know, you would put a, a, a different ring, or a lot of people did, for different people on your phone, right? And so um, I was going to tell you what I had for my wife, but she wouldn't like that, so I'll tell you <laughs> offline. But anyway, for one of my sons, I had, I had the theme song from Sanford and Son, because, you know, he's my son. He was in college. He was at K-State. So I was down at the Lake of the Ozarks at a, at a retreat for some pastors, and it's like 2.30 in the morning, right? And I hear my phone go off in the middle of the night, and it's the theme from Sanford and Son. So I know it's my K-State son. And I'm in a hotel. You, 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 you don't know where your phone is. It's over on the dresser. You know, it's 2, 3 in the morning. And, and I know it's – I'm trying to get up, wake up, find my phone, grab it, because listen – if you got a college-age son and he's calling you at 2.30 in the morning... You need to answer He's probably not calling you to tell you he loves you and his <laughs> grades really are good this quarter, right? <laughs> so you just... Every thought goes through your mind. Right. Mainly car accident, jail. I mean, I, you, know, you don't know, you know. Break up with a girlfriend. I don't know. So I finally grabbed the phone and, and I, my heart's racing and I go, what, what? He goes, Dad? I said, what? He said, um, you know, obviously, you can't make this up. It's exactly what he said. Are you up? I mean, like, really... <laughs> Like, what is this? I said, yes, what is it? Well, I got a question. Oh, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm okay. I just have a question. I said, well, what is it? He said, how long does hamburger stay good in the fridge? <laughs> I said, dude, it never goes bad. Go ahead and eat it. And hung up. Now, <laughs> let's say that that had been a call from Highway Patrol or from a hospital, let's say. Right. They said, your son's been in an accident. And he's got to have a kidney transplant, or he's going to die in the next day. Mm -hmm. What would I have said? Would I have said, "Well, you know what? I'm here at Lake of the Ozarks. I got a couple more days of conference to do. I'm going to play some golf. 
I hate hospitals and I hate anesthesia and it makes me sick and then there'll be the recovery no man i'd have been in that car racing to kansas city and said you don't have to put me under take the daggum kidney and give it to my kid why because i know the pain had a purpose Mm. i want to i want you to know that if you're serving christ your pain has a purpose so embrace it because i'll tell you what you can do something today that the Apostle Paul and Moses can never do again. You can endure pain for the gospel. Once you go to heaven, you don't have that opportunity anymore. Yeah. So don't waste your pain. Be the living sacrifice, right? right? right. And, and that's your spiritual act of, of worship. worship. That's what we're talking about. One of the passages that you quoted in this first chapter was Psalm 67, 3 and 4. It says, let the peoples praise you. O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. The glory of God is what you're looking for here. We're going to continue this discussion talking about uh, reclaiming glory. What an incredible opportunity that we have to uh, to just share in this experience. And uh, I, I want to come back next week. Uh, we're going to talk about one of your best quotes in the book by one of the most uh, stellar sources. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll be there, buddy. <laughs> we'll get to it. Many blessings. We'll see you next time. Like the prophet Jeremiah. You may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town to a room of empty pews where his love can still be found you may never know of all the seeds you sown But it just takes one willing soul to make him known. Thank you so much for joining us at the RuralPastorPodcast.com. A special thanks to Chosen Road for this incredible theme music, to 180 Digital, our corporate sponsor. And you can check out both of them at our website as well as other resources because you're not alone. And Rural Pastor, we believe in you at TheRuralPastorPodcast.com.